0: The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to watch.org. That's Novos Ordo <speaking in the language> Welcome to Catholic Spirituality on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Father Germán Fliess and in this episode I'm joined by our guest, Father Nicolás Desposito, professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary. Thank you, Father, for joining us. Hello! Today we will continue our study of the book, The Theology of Christian Perfection, by Antonio Rocho Marín, the Dominican theologian. Father, we have spoken in the last shows about grace in general first and then concerning actual grace and sanctifying grace. We saw also the indwelling of the Most Holy Trinity in the souls of the just and today we're going to start the study of the infused virtues.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, It's the fourth chapter in Roger Marin's book and uh, later uh, after this chapter we are going to see the uh, the gifts of the holy ghost so we cover sanctifying grace when we receive sanctifying grace uh, god infuses into the soul the what i call the the infused virtues which we are going to see today and the gifts of the holy ghost Um, so the this chapter begins with an the analogy the the perfect analogy says but in between man's natural organism and his supernatural organism. So, and this helps us to understand how the supernatural life uh, works. So the the human soul is the principle of life uh, in man, as we saw before, and sanctifying grace is the principle of supernatural life. It elevates the soul. Is called an entitative habit. The word entitative comes from ens, which means being. It basically grace makes the 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 being of the soul. Um, it makes it supernatural, or it elevates it to the supernatural order. And what we are going to see today are the virtues, the infused virtues, which correspond in the analogy to the powers of uh, or faculties of the soul in the natural order. The, the soul cannot operate um, immediately. The human soul, even though it's the root of the operations in man, it cannot operate immediately. It needs what are called the, the faculties, which are, or powers, uh, which are the intellects and the will. Again, the, uh, the analogies uh, is very good here because in the supernatural order, sanctifying grace uh, cannot uh, operate in, in an immediate way. So it needs, in order to operate, also certain faculties or powers, and those are the infused uh, virtues. So that's that's um, again to try trying to understand. Um, how it works, the soul is elevated by grace, but it needs to also operate supernaturally. We operate supernaturally through the virtues. So the virtues are those principles of operations, those uh, faculties. If we go to the their nature in um, um, page fifty five of the textbook, uh, the nature of the infused infused virtues, It says, the infused virtues may be defined as operative habits infused by God into the faculties of the soul. Remember, the faculties of the soul are the intellect and the will to dispose them to function according to the dictates of reason enlightened by faith. So let's try to... Uh, explain a little bit this uh, this definition. There is a, a lot of philosophy here, uh, and um, it may be a little complicated. Uh, but let's try to to explain as as much as we can this definition of infused virtue, operative habits. It says the that the uh, is the generic element of the definition. If you remember, I said in the beginning that the grace is an entitative habit because it makes the soul because in its being um, it makes it uh, to participate of the supernatural order it elevates it here we are talking about operative habits there is the habits which are going to help us do things or operate work in the supernatural order So, um, what is a habit? So, you may be asking yourself, what is a habit, philosophically speaking? And Roger Marin says, gives the answer from the psychological point of view, when we say psychological, it's from the the philosophical point of view, the, the psychology in the Aristotelian, Thomistic sense, not in the modern sense. From the psychological point of view, an operative habit is a quality. Difficult to remove, which disposes the subject to function with facility, promptness, and delight. It gives the subject facility for operation because every habit is an increase of energy in relation to its corresponding action. It gives promptness because it constitutes, so to speak, a second nature in virtue of, uh, sorry, in virtue of which the subject quickly gives. Himself to action, and it causes delight in the operation because it produces an act which is prompt, facile, and connatural. Uh, so, an example will enlighten a little bit this uh, uh, this definition of habit. For example, you may have the facility, or um, you may be have certain inclination to music. Just an example. And you like to learn how to play the piano. So, uh, in order to acquire the habit of of piano playing, you need to, uh, first of all, of course, learn the the different keys and the notes and the fingering, etc. And do a lot of exercises every day, hours and hours. And that's not something uh, which produces joy. All the contrary is... Uh, it's almost like it's, a, it's painful to go and do those exercises. Very boring, but there is a point in which you, after so many exercises, uh, you get certain uh, facility, prontitude, and you start enjoying playing the piano. You you start reading the notes, reading the part, the, the, no, the the notes in the paper, and without even thinking, your fingers move move along the uh, the keyboard, and you play. And that means that you have acquired the habit of piano playing. So the repetition of acts makes it um, produces the habit. Uh, but that's if you pay attention. I said acquired habit. So by the repetition of acts, we acquire the habit. And that's true of anything of science. If we uh, study a lot of theology, for example, um, we become. A theologian, or we go and study law, we become uh, a lawyer, etc. All, all those science is a habit too. So anything like that is; those are habits. But there is a big difference here between uh, the the habits, which are the the virtues, the infused virtues, and an acquired habit. Why? Because in this case. The repetition of acts is not what is going to produce the infused virtue. The very word infused means that God is going to give this virtue to the soul. And I will read Roger Barin here saying this. Infused by God is a radical difference between the infused and acquired virtues. The natural or acquired virtues are engendered in man by means of repeated acts. I mentioned piano playing, but any virtue, even um, I don't know, can be anything um, natural uh, can be anything uh, Justice, for example. justice, yes, you you perform so many just acts, let's say that you become just or you you have the the um the acquired habit of justice or any any natural virtue or uh, temperance, for example. Uh, Anything like that acquired, but that's acquired. Here we are talking about something infused So and the cause of this virtue is uh, Is God is supernatural. That's why you have the name infused virtues So that's important because no matter how many acts of natural virtue we may perform we uh, that will never produce a supernatural-infused virtue. That's important. So today with naturalism and the idea that everybody uh, with just certain natural qualities and goodness can merit heaven or can please God, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, that, that's, that's impossible. Uh, the, even if you are... I mean, you have all the natural virtues to an excellent degree, to a perfect degree, uh, it will not, not even be close to an infused supernatural virtue. There are two different things. Essentially different things, specifically different things. That's what uh, says next page in this very book. That's the teaching of St. Thomas that the infused virtues and the acquire or natural virtues, moral virtues, are essentially different. Um, so the we say that reason illumined by faith, a part of the definition of an infused virtue. And again I will read Roger Marin. The principal element of specific differentiation between the acquired and the infused virtues is the that by reason of the formal object. So the formal object. Uh, here we are speaking um, of the, what is, let's say, the goal of the virtue. Let's say why we do something. Um, if we are talking about the virtue of temperance, for example, uh, we repeat many acts of temperance until acquired, Acquiring the the uh, habit of temperance, and why? Or the, the motive of that, or the object of that, is going to be natural. Again, it's good, but it's natural. But with, if we are talking about supernatural temperance, the object is going to be a supernatural end or good, and uh, reason here is going to be illumined by the the faith. So what the faith teaches. Uh, a better probably a better example that that will probably clarify more is the um, the for example fasting is related to to temper so you can practice fasting for many different reasons for example to be healthy so if you practice fasting um, uh, you you avoid many diseases and then you keep in shape and, and things like that. You lose weight and things which are naturally good, naturally good for your body. And again, they're good things. But if you have the infused virtue of um, of temperance and you fast because of, uh, let's say, it is an um, uh, ecclesiastical obligation to fast, that, makes it a... I mean, the the, the object is supernatural. It it is elevated. It is because of uh, a supernatural reason and a supernatural object. So the whole thing is different. You may fast because, of course, of the love of God or because of obeying an ecclesiastical law uh, or because of mortification in order to um, resist temptations and... um, uh, to yes to sub- subject your body to to your soul. those are supernatural motives that without the faith will never not even know know about those things. That's actually what Saint Thomas himself um, says and gives the example. there is an infinite difference between temperance according to Aristotle regulated by right reason alone and Christian temperance which is regulated by reason enlightened, by faith, and by supernatural prudence. So again, that's that's the very example here. Um, The infused virtues are going to take into consideration many things that the natural virtue doesn't even uh, think about. Uh, For example, the, the consequences, the teachings of faith, concerning the consequences of original sin. Again, with temperance, yes, I will do a diet or I will keep in shape. I will do exercise. I will uh, abstain from certain foods because of this or that. Good natural reasons. But if you think of the supernatural virtue of temperance, it takes into consideration that we have a nature wounded by sin, that if we do not mortify our bodies, Uh, We are going to have problems with concupiscence and desires of the flesh against the spirit, etc., etc. So, it's a whole different, let's say, world. Uh, The world of the the infused virtues and that of the natural acquired virtues. So, that's what is meant by the formal object. The motive of the virtue is essentially different. So, um, that's basically... The definition of it. Um, if you, we go to the in the book, there are many things here which are meant to uh, for students of seminaries and religious institutes, which are we are not going to cover. We have said this before. Try to cover the the basics and the essentials here. Um, and if the division of the infused virtues which is a little more important is between the theological virtues as you know because of your catechism and the um, the moral virtues the theological virtues are faith hope and charity and uh, we can see the nature here the theological virtues are operative principles by which we are directed and ordained directly and immediately to God as, superna- as our supernatural end. They have God himself as their material object and one of his divine attributes as their formal object. Since they are strictly supernatural, only God can infuse them into the soul. That's important. And just remember faith. The first of the theological virtues, only God can give that to the soul. You hear all the times, "Oh, that person has so much faith." Uh, doesn't mean anything if in a Catholic uh, context. Um, um, uh, this probably has certain, um, I don't know, feelings of confidence or relationship with God, but it's not the same thing as the infused virtue faith. The infused virtue of faith again is a supernatural infused habit which God gives to the soul and uh, it says their existence can be known only through revelation so again if you are not this is basically uh, the, concept, the the conclusion here only Catholics what makes you a Catholic is, is that you have the the, the the infused virtue of faith that's what makes you a Catholic and um, and you belong to uh, to the church through this virtue because you believe everything that God has revealed, etc., etc. Um, because of the authority of God revealing, etc., we are going to see that in the future. But there is no faith in the strict sense of the word uh, without, I mean, outside of the Catholic faith. So to have faith in general, like, oh, he has faith in God or he has faith in Christ, uh, many th- the. the we have, uh, as a, I don't know, as a society, we have many times fallen into that idea of Protestantism and modernism, of religious sentiment, uh, that of that we are united to God in some way through faith, like it's a religious feeling, etc. No, that's a false conception, and we have to always remember that when we are talking about the the faith is the infused virtue of faith that only God can give. We cannot acquire it with our own efforts and has nothing to do with fitting with religious um, sentimentality, etc. So that's one thing uh, to emphasize. And for, um, Obviously,
0: uh, these uh, supernatural infused virtues, um, the theological virtues are faith, hope and charity. Is there any um, distin- uh, distinction as far as the order of them.
1: Well, in the sense that you cannot have charity, for example, without faith. That as a first, you you need the faith. Uh, and interestingly enough, you can have uh, faith uh, if you lose charity. Uh, you can still keep the faith. That's like a an act uh, of mercy on the part of God that he, he allows us to keep the faith. we only lose the faith when we sin against the virtue of faith. So if you commit a mortal sin, the virtue of charity goes away because it's incompatible with uh, a mortal a grave sin, but we can still keep the virtues of faith and hope. So in the in the order of, yes first is a faith. So first you need the faith, in order to be able to love God supernaturally, and that's basically what charity is. Um, so,
0: um, as far as far as their uh, perfection, the perfection of these uh, three virtues, is it are, are they of equal perfection, or there is a distinction there?
1: Well, yes. Um, one can distinguish, Roger Barin says, two orders, the order of generation and the order of perfection, which already said about the order of generation, that that's first faith, then hope, and last charity. And according to perfection, charity is the most excellent of the theological virtues. So that's what St. Paul says, uh, that is the, greatest, the greatest, greatest of these is charity. When we die, uh, if we die in the state of grace, and we go to heaven, and we see God face to face, um, the virtue of faith disappears. It's gone. Why? Because the object of the virtue of faith, God, is present. So you see God face to face. Hope is go- is-, is gone because you have attained the object of the virtue of hope. You don't need to um, desire the attainment of God anymore. You have attained and you have the fruition of God. Uh, but... And this is what Saint Paul means. And this is according what you ask: what is the greatest of those virtues according to perfection? Charity. So charity is the greatest, and it is true. You can have all the faith in the world and hope, but if you are in the state of sin, you are the, you lose sanctifying grace, and you lose charity. It is impossible to save your soul. So in that regard, uh, that's what Saint Paul says: that um, uh, that we need. Our faith has to uh, demand works, and those works are charity. And St. James says the same, that uh, um, faith is not enough. And that was the error and the heresy of Luther uh, to deny that. No, faith is not enough. We have to have charity. So, in the order of perfection, charity is the most excellent of the theological uh, virtues. The reason is simple. It is um, the one that unites us most intimately with God. Faith unites us with God, of course, because we believe uh, in the things that God has, has revealed, etc. But faith is, is still in darkness. We don't see clearly until we have attained the beatific vision in which faith is gone. Uh, this not, faith is all in darkness. So that's in, it's important to understand too. But charity, uh, it unites us perfectly with God, even on this earth, with relative perfection. So, uh, let's see. In itself, um, as a theological virtues, some theologians say that faith is more excellent than hope because it bespeaks a relation with God in himself, while hope presents God to us as a good for us. And also because faith is the foundation of hope. So you cannot have hope without faith. On the other hand, hope is more closely related to charity. And in this sense, it is more perfect than faith. So you will have uh, many times, this is related to the also the a discussion between uh, the Franciscans and the Dominicans between the I mean concerning the which is more perfect if the intellect or the will, so it ha- it's related to to that I think um, but that discussion and that uh, those arguments do not concern us now, according to the doctrine of Saint Thomas, Roger Barin continues, which is held by the majority of theologians, faith resides in the intellect. Remember, we said before that the soul cannot operate by itself immediately, but it needs the intellect and the will. And the virtues in the supernatural order reside in those faculties, the intellect and the will. So faith resides in the intellect. So it has nothing to do with feeling. It's more about knowledge, uh, supernatural knowledge. And hope and charity, those reside in the will. So... Um, There are more things here about St. John of the Cross, his opinion, etc. but that we do not want to go into too much detail uh, right now. And the
0: Pharisees uh, have (coughs) time now to pass to the moral virtues. Can you speak a little about uh, those, the infused moral virtues?
1: Yes, so the theological virtues, as we said before, are faith, hope and charity. They have thus the immediate object God himself. Um, But the moral, what are called the moral virtues, are uh, habits, again, which dispose the faculties of of man to follow the dictate of reason, illumined by faith in relation to the means which lead to the supernatural end. So that's the the very distinction. The theological virtues, the word theological, you see the word theos there, which means God, are directly... Related to God, here the, in, the moral infused virtues concern the means toward to God, towards God. So uh, the theological virtues get uh, to the end directly, and here the infused moral virtues are concerned more with regard to the uh, the means towards that end. So that's what Rosaballin says here. They do not have the infused moral virtues God as their immediate object and in this they are distinguished from the theological virtues but the honest honest good distinct from God yet they rightly ordain human acts to the supernatural end and in this way <clears throat> they are distinguished from the corresponding acquired natural virtues this gets a little confusing because uh, the the four cardinal virtues, which are the, the main uh, moral virtues, uh, share the same name with the cardinal virtues of the natural order. So the same name, but as we said before, uh, the acquired cardinal virtues and the infused cardinal virtues, even though they share the same name, they are essentially, specifically, uh, diverse or different distinct virtues so those are prudence justice um, fortitude and temperance those are the cardinal virtues and from there uh, you will have many of the, the the other virtues which are species or or of or, or those four big cardinal virtues we are going to see all of these virtues the three theological virtues faith, hope, and charity, and the moral virtues, uh, the cardinal virtues, uh, throughout this uh, show, in, in, in future episodes. If you go to your book, um, I will continue explaining the what the, the fierce virtues are, but if you go to the book, you will see a whole classification of the different uh, virtues, the moral the. the um, cardinal virtues with all of the integral parts and different uh, uh, the species of, of justice you see here legal justice uh, which is distinguished from distributive justice commutative justice and when you study moral theology when you study the, the treatise on the virtues you do you go through all of these virtues so uh, moral theology and and uh and mystical theology. they treat basically of the same same things, but from a different point of view. So let's go back in order to start uh, finishing this episode to the to the moral infused moral virtues. we already established what the nature is. Let's try to explain a little bit. <clears throat> the means which are regulated by the infused moral virtues refer, in a certain sense, to all the acts of man, including, at least on the part of prudence, the very acts of the theological virtues, in spite of the fact that these virtues are superior in perfection to the moral virtues. For although the theological virtues considered in themselves cannot be excessive, and in this sense they do not consist in the mean or median as do the moral virtues, they can nevertheless go to excess in the manner of our operation, and it is that manner or mode which falls under the moral virtues. So it is that the moral virtues must be numerous because there are so many ways in which the faculties can operate, and these must be regulated in view of man's supernatural end. So basically, we need to do things, works, in order to uh, perfect our soul. Sanctifying grace is a seed that needs to grow, become a, a plant, a tree, and a fructify, etc., etc. Et in order to be able to do that, we need different acts. Human acts, but elevated to the supernatural order. Basically, those are the infused Mortal virtues, which are going to by by the exercise of these virtues, uh, which I, again I say the exercise because even though they are infused, they depend on our free will. We can put them into action. That's the big difference between what uh, between these uh, habits, the, the the virtues, and what we are going to study next time, next episode, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, in which they operate whenever God wills, not when we want. So these virtues are infused uh, by God into our souls, but we can uh, put them into practice whenever we want. With, of course, with the grace of God and a certain movement on the part of God, um, every good things, thing comes from God. Uh, never uh, forget that. But uh, it is true that we can use our human uh, liberty, in order to um, to practice his virtues for example you say i want to say a rosary so yeah it's you that you decide to uh, say the rosary and that's your work is meritorious uh, if you want to practice fasting or you wanted to, to do uh, anything um, be affable or charitable with, with your neighbor or practice patience or things like that it is you that put into motion they infused virtue, um, uh, and it, me- it becomes meritorious. For that, that is done um, by the help of actual grace. Correct? Yes, with the help of actual grace, and also it, of course, it uh, it is understood that you are in the state of grace. Because if you are in the state of mortal sin, uh, you cannot. Uh, I mean, you are not able to. Uh, to function supernaturally, so you don't have any I- infused virtue in your soul, except, as we said, faith and hope, if you have not sinned against those virtues. But if you don't have charity, you cannot uh, merit anymore. You cannot, um, yes, you, you don't have the infused virtues. Those go away. So that's why it's so important for for us to understand the keeping the, our souls in the state of grace, um, not only because if we die, then in the state of mortal sin, we go to, to hell, which is, of course, really bad, but that it's like we are dead. We, uh, we, we waste so much time uh, that that we could be using uh, that time to increase our merits for heaven by practicing or by reducing to, to act those infused virtues. Because it is not a question of thinking about it. It's not that you have to... Okay, now I will I will do an infused... Or I will put into practice this infused virtue I have. No. When God gives you grace... And you don't put... A, again, you are in the state of grace. Even when you are sleeping... You may... I mean, you can offer up... Everything you do during the day... Even when you sleep... That, that becomes all supernatural. So, uh, in a way... Uh, you are, let's say, meriting for heaven, even when you are not thinking about it. Of course, it's much better to think about it, to put the, the habitual intention, etc., etc. But even uh, when you're sleeping, you can offer that and and uh, and increase your 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 merits for heaven. So, uh, because we are talking about infused virtues, uh, anything, even playing sports or, I mean, recreating, anything can be elevated. And becomes meritorious for heaven. Very
0: interesting, Father. And uh, can we say that um, here we are speaking uh, in the, still in the order of the ascetical life? Is that correct?
1: Yes, the ascetical life is, it is the uh, the life of the um, of the infused virtues. So. Uh, you can say the, the ascetical life in its beginnings is going to be, the, especially the, the the exercise of the moral virtues, the exercise of temperance, the exercise of justice, uh, fortitude, um, prudence, etc. Later on, the, uh, the a more perfect ascetical life is going to be the exercise of the uh, the other virtues, the faith, hope, and charity. But what makes the mystical life, what represents actually the beginning of the mystical life, is the actuation of uh, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, which we are going to see next time. But yes, the, the the ascetical life, when we speak about ascetical life, is basically the the life of the or the exercise of the infused virtues. So we have received the grace, we have the virtues. It's like automatic. I mean, if you have sanctifying grace, even a baby, I mean, even the baby, when he has not the use of reason, he has sanctifying grace, he has the um, indwelling of the treat in the soul, he has the infused moral virtues, he has the infused theological virtues. Of course, he cannot put them into operation yet, uh, but uh, he has those virtues. When he uh, gets into to the point of having the use of reason, he can exercise those virtues and acquire uh, or increase his merits. Um, but that we receive all of those things, even as a ba- when we are babies and we are baptized, that's absolutely true. That's, that's the big difference between the infused and the acquired virtues. The acquired virtues, we need to perform many, many acts, repeated acts until acquiring acquire the habit in the case of the supernatural order, God is so merciful. He gives us all of these things, the seed for the supernatural uh, of the supernatural life, right there at the baptism. The, the idea is that we never lose that, that uh, we never commit a mortal sin. That's the idea. That's the, what God intends. Uh, again, He's so merciful that even if we commit a mortal sin, we have the sacrament of penance. But the idea is that we never... Uh, lose sanctifying grace but when when we get into the point of having the use of reason and able to merit we grow and grow and grow in those virtues and dispose ourselves to the actuation of the gifts of the Holy Ghost which is going to be the fifth chapter the next chapter and the next um, subject for for the show um, next time
0: Yes, which will be a very interesting uh, chapter, so I encourage all our listeners to stay tuned. Father, I think we have arrived at the end of this uh, chapter of today. I thank you for having joined us uh, again, Father.
1: Yes, uh, thank you very much. And again, just to again uh, try to stretch a little bit the, the practical the practical order uh, as Catholics uh, when we pray, in our morning prayers, night prayers, uh, during the day, etc., our rosaries, always ask God to increase in your soul these infused virtues. Why? Because, as we said before, these are things that come from God and that we cannot obtain with our own strength. So um uh, and especially if we need a virtue we m- may be of need of some virtues more than of others or if we are suffering temptation so we may need the super uh, like uh, more strength uh, and more intensity just to give an example in the virtue of temperance so let's ask God in our prayer to increase our temperance to increase our uh, fortitude to increase this or that our faith today um, after more than half a century without a Pope. Do we need the faith? Of course, we need so much intensity of faith in order to live a, as good Catholics when we do not, do not have a Pope today. And the sea is vacant. So it, it's an infused virtue. It's the faith. We have to ask for it. We have to ask for the increase of this virtue. We need love with the supernatural love, charity, charity, uh, uh, love of God, love of our neighbor. Again, it's an infused virtue. You're not going to acquire it by your own labors. You have to ask for it in prayer. That We're going to see this in the future, but prayer is so important, so necessary and essential. We don't think about it, but uh, it makes sense that um, if you see in the context of we we have seen today, that all of these things are given, infused by God. Therefore, we... let's ask for the increase of these virtues in our souls so that um, we perfect ourselves and dispose ourselves to the next step, which is that actuation of the gifts and the mystical life. Remember, this part of the the goal of this book, that the vocation or the call to the mystical life is a a universal one. It's not something for extraordinary people, for certain ones, for religious or uh, no, we all uh, are supposed to die in the mystical state. Let us remember that. If we are not yet there, let us pray more and more for that purpose. Thank you, Far. I think on that uh,
0: very interesting and uplifting note, we can close our episode of today. Um, I hope you enjoyed enjoyed uh, the show and as far as said next episode we will start with the gift of the gifts of the holy ghost which is as far as said uh, a very important or the key aspect of the of the mystical life thank you far again again for joining us thank you very much
1: if you have any questions for father disposito or feedback on this episode we would love to hear from you you can contact us at Catholic Spirituality at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions and comments to Father Disposito. We would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found this show to be informative, helpful or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who helped make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you.